This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. And uh, it is a garden party indeed. Yeah, here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you doing this morning, Charlie? Good morning. Finally, I see a yellow orb in the sky and I don't recognize it. (laughs) Fair enough. And don't we love it? Oh, totally. Gorgeous. Going to be a beautiful weekend for getting out into the garden. Absolutely. Well, I should introduce myself as well. I'm Dean Holland. I am aiding and abetting Mm. the great Charlie Dobbin here on this journey called The Garden Show, which uh, happens every Saturday morning here on Zoomer Radio. And how's your week been, Charlie? What's going on in your garden? Oh, gosh, I've been watching the rain. I've been it's just soggy. (laughs) But, you know, I love the cool. I love the cooler temperatures. So it's been great that way. Um, You know, the the bulbs are lasting. The even I'm I'm in Toronto right now. So things are ahead of where I live here. Uh, Trees have bigger leaves, uh, magnolias, full bloom. Yep. Many of the bulbs are finished, whereas where I am, I've got bulbs still to open. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got bulbs in our, our end of things too, but I would imagine, of course, the further you go south, I would imagine things um, are typically further ahead, I, I yeah, guess. Is exactly. that how it works generally? Yeah, totally, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we consider the May 2-4 weekend as the one where we are frost-free in the GTA area, but we, if we lived in Sudbury, it would be the next week. Gotcha. Okay. And do you have uh, you have some announcements I to make before we go a, to our first break? Uh, yeah. Let me just uh, remind people that the agent. Oh no, you're going to talk about the agent court. So I'm yeah, I'll take talk a bit. Yeah. About the um, our buddies with uh, Heather always sends us a nice note from the Riverdale Horticultural Society. They are doing um, a hybrid meeting, so you can meet in person at the Frankland Community Centre, which is in Toronto, Logan, and. Danforth area, all happening on Wednesday, May the 10th at 7 p.m. The speaker, or you can uh, join online through Zoom. If you do join online, you send a quick email to info at riverdalehorticultural.ca and you'll get the Zoom link. Otherwise, meet in person with Marion Jarvie. She is, as Heather notes, a well-known speaker and plants woman. Uh, she is speaking on uh, pruning, typically. Um, improve your pruning skills. Marion knows an awful lot. She has an amazing garden in Thornhill and has been there for 30 or more years, growing some gorgeous, gorgeous sh- trees and shrubs. So she, she knows her pruning. I think I want to visit her garden. It sounds glorious. Yeah, she does do, I think, once a year, like an open garden uh, in her, at her place, and it's, it's to die for. I would love to see it. I, I've figured out why you gave me the agent court announcement to do this morning, because it includes dessert. <laughs> exactly. <So. laughs> see, and this is coming up really soon. This is Monday, May the 8th. Yeah, so coming up this Monday, uh, 7.30 p.m. Learn, laugh, and dessert. <laughs> I love all of that. <laughs> so they're, they're having their monthly meeting, and it sounds like everybody's invited. For novice, regular gardeners, expert gardens, the whole bit. Uh, let me see. They start. They start seven thirty. Meeting starts at seven thirty. But uh, yeah, they uh, they. I guess they open the doors a little earlier than that, and they have um, uh, David. 
Bostock is the headliner, mm-hmm. also about pruning. pruning. Yep. It's, and that's a great subject, but, because trust me, lots of people are afraid to prune. Yeah, well, I think I'm one of them. I think I'm oh, the one thing I have learned from you. I mean, I've learned lots of things. I know that one thing that is stuck is that if it's if anything's dead, you can take that off anytime. That's right. But but it does seem to me that, you know, like you don't prune when it's raining because then it yeah. won't scab over properly. And there's like, right. but there's some things you prune in the fall and some things yeah. you prune in the spring. And, and it's a little bit complicated. That's what scares people. And that's why they just do nothing, <laughs> which is not the right thing to do usually. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so that numbers? meeting is happening at the Knox United uh, Christian right. Education yeah. Center gotcha. uh, for Earl Avenue. And uh, yeah, so yeah, the agent cart. Okay. And you know, I should go ahead. Numbers. Did you do the phone numbers? No, I got to do those now. Yeah, so if you, uh, we'd love for you to give us a call if you have a pruning question or a bulb question or an indoor gardening question, whatever it is, soil, anything. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. That's the Toronto number. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty. 4740. And uh, please let Carlos know if you are a first time caller because we will give you your garden wings. There you go. Lovely. And we, we want you to call often. We'd love for you to call early. And please, one question per call. And unless you have anything more to add there, yep. I will go to break. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. So we will be right back with much more on the garden show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show on this beautiful Saturday morning in May, isn't it, Charlie? It sure is. Oh, we do love that sunshine. And I predicted, now you can tell me, I I thought with all that rain, then when the sun comes out, I think things will be popping up with a vengeance. Is that typically how it would work? Uh, pretty much. And the dandelions heard what you just said, and man, oh. <laughs> oh, no. there's a lot yes. of them out there. We're at peak, oh. peak dandelions. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have a number of callers on the yep. line already, uh, so let's go to our first. We're at, we have Teresa calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Teresa. Hi, good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Um, I have a magnolia tree, and it has not been happy for uh, five, six years. We're losing more and more branches every year, and this year they're looking pretty bad. The tree's about 40, 45 years old. Uh, We'd like to try and save it if we can. We were thinking of doing um, aeration uh, all around it and a deep root fertilizer to help it along. What do you think? Oh, all of those, both of those, all of those ideas are good because you want to provide TLC, particularly for old trees. Uh Um, I'd need a little more information. One thing I would uh, suggest is there is an insect um, called scale, Mm S-C-A-L-E. Very specifically, there is a one that a, a variety of scale that goes after magnolia. Uh-huh. And it is, has there ever in the last few years when you're saying it's been an unhappy tree, has there been any kind of stickiness uh, uh, on the ground beneath the tree or no. on the leaves? No, no. The the branches are actually dying. Right. There's but, no insect that we can see. Well, you won't see, scale is very hard to see. It's just little bumps on the oh, bark. Oh, I but, see. But you know you've got scale because you get stickiness because they, scale is an, an, a sucking insect, so uh-huh. it pierces little holes into the leaves and into the bark. Um, okay. So, um, 
dead branches should be removed. How they're removed is important, so we don't want to leave stumps behind that the plant cannot heal. Yeah. A, yeah. A, a vigorous tree, a happy tree, will always heal faster, so that's worth considering as well. Uh, you're in Mississauga. You might, if it's that old of a tree, and if it's a really important tree in your landscape, which it probably is, it is since yeah. it's such mm-hmm. a big old tree, <clears throat> I would consider calling an arborist to come and take a look and perhaps oh, okay. have a, a, like a certified arborist do the pruning. And okay. this is the right time of year. Right now, the next month is the time to trim okay. our magnolias, so if you can get get, uh, you know, set up an appointment to get an arborist mm-hmm. to come. Yeah, we have done that before uh, with our ash tree. Uh, we mm-hmm. had it properly every four or five years. Right. That. There you go. <clears throat> now, uh, the aeration, when is the best time to do? Uh, when the when the ground is moist. So right now would be perfect. <laughs> so okay. Spring or fall, doesn't matter. You don't aerate in the summer because usually the ground is way too dry. You oh, need I that see. moisture in the ground so that you the, the machine can actually pull little, um, pop out little cores of soil. So now it's the t- best time to do it. Yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the, the fertilizer, it goes after the aeration or before? No, after, because after. when you aerate, you opening up the opportunity for fertilizer and uh, moisture, etc., even air to get down to the roots of the tree. Do you have a lawn growing right up to the tree? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's right in front of the house, right on, to- on the lawn. Uh, the yeah. lawn is all around the tree. But you and make sure you cut the lawn away so you don't have lawn right up to the the trunk of the tree. Oh, okay. Because okay. when you're trimming the grass at the base of a tree, invariably the bark is broken by the trimmer. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're very careful with that. Yeah. But I would just cut the lawn right out. Just put some mulch. You know. Take, okay. Make a circle three feet wide all around the trunk or four feet okay. wide, depending on the size of the trunk, mm-hmm. and then just fill with a two to four inches okay. of bark mulch. What is the best fertilizer to use? Well, um, there's tree fertilizer, but in the case of magnolia, it's a flowering tree. So I would, would go for a f- any good quality flowering plant fertilizer and okay. follow the instructions in terms of how much to Is there add. a number that I should be looking for? Uh, there's a lot of different concoctions out there. Typically, the middle number will be higher than the other numbers on either I side see. of it. I see. Okay. 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 So that's your yeah, number. thanks for the call there, Teresa, and good yeah. luck with your magnolia tree. They are beautiful, beautiful right. trees. And right now, for sure. particularly, we're, we're just awe, you know, awestruck by them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they really are. They're gorgeous. Um, okay, let's, uh, you know what? I'm going to jump in a break because we're really close to that, and then we will come back. I'm going to give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number, or anywhere else outside of Toronto. It's toll-free in the province of Ontario, one 866 744 740. We will be right back with much more on the garden show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is the garden show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on the Garden Show, and uh, we have uh, we have Linda on the line, and Linda is calling from Thornhill. Welcome to the Garden Show, Linda. Hi, morning, Charlie. Morning. Hi, it's Linda, your old coworker for, and friend from the White Rose days. Hello, my friend. Hi. 
So my question is actually a pruning question, but probably not in a good way. Um, I have a Japanese cut leaf maple, a green one that was just starting to sprout leaves. Mm. Then on one day, they're all gone, and I realized they were eaten by squirrels. What? And only the green cut leaf, not my red one. So I'm wondering if this does any damage to the tree, and will it keep on continuing, and how I should protect it. So that just happened in like the last two weeks kind of thing? Yeah, like about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, I just they were there and then they were gone. And you sure it was squirrels? Yeah, because I saw one on top of the tree having a little, a little munch. Wow. Okay, that is a bit unusual. So here's what I would do. Uh, you want to keep the squirrels away from chewing the leaves because the tree needs leaves in order to survive, right? So if the tree is going to grow leaves and they're going to get chewed off as fast as they can grow, that's not going to ever work. Go to your local garden center, Canadian Tire, whatever, and get a hold of a product called Plant Skid. How do we spell that? Uh, plant, P-L-A-N-T, and then Skid is S. I always forget whether it's S K. Why, why, let me just look this up. Yeah, S-K-Y-D-D, so D as in Dobbin at the end there. Plantskid is a wonderful, fully organic, non-toxic spray that you would spray on the tree as per directions. And you are going to make it so that the squirrels will not want to chew that tree. They will not like the smell. And that way the leaves will be able to expand and do their thing. In the meantime, while this is all happening, keep an eye on the tree. Make sure that usually I find with Japanese maples... Often the tips of the, the, you know, the smallest tips on the branches are dead after the winter. So look closely at the bark and the tips of the trees. The live bark, the live branches are shiny. They're often can be on the red side if it's a red leaf plant, um, but they'll be shiny and, and full of vigor. Whereas dead branches will be gray, uh, dull, and and do like do not hesitate to trim out dead as in this next process while you're spraying, you know, get that spray on as soon as you can and just keep the the plant as cleaned up as you can. That will also invigorate it to put out new growth. Great. Sound good? Yeah. When are you coming to visit me? Yes, exactly. Uh, No, I just said, when are you coming to visit me? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. We'll talk Uh, soon (laughs) again. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Linda. (laughs) Sweet. You- and uh, yeah, you've mentioned a couple of times over the years that you uh, that was uh, somewhere you worked years ago. Yeah. Oh yes, White Rose, eighteen yeah. years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linda was there as long as me, if not longer. <laughs> she was in the uh, in the advertising department. She's a graphic designer. Gotcha. So okay, we used gotcha. to make the garden guide together. White Rose had quite a wonderful, full of information garden guide, and so I I was the editor, and she was the the artiste. Gotcha. Well, so that was a big name in gardening for a long time. I remember mm-hmm. that when I was sort of in my in my early 20s when I had my first house. That yeah. was where you went. You went to White Rose. And you were in Hamilton, and there was there were yeah. two, there's one in White Rose and Stony Creek, and there was one in Hamilton. That's right. We had a couple to pick from. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, the numbers again, 416-360-0740 or one 740 4740 Let's go to Toronto now. We have Marianne on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Marianne. Uh, uh, good day to you, too. I have a question about um, uh, trimming a bush. Mm-hmm. 
about five years ago, I had an empty uh, corner of the front uh, flower bed. And I went to the nursery, and I wanted something small. And um, they said, well, this will do. It's about the size of a beach ball. It's a mugo pine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, that's super. And uh, it stayed small for about three or four years, I guess. Yes. And then all of a sudden, it started to bloom. And I was talking to my neighbor, who is more uh, garden smart than I am. She says, that's not a mugo pine, that's a cedar. Oh. And it's now this, this, it's got a thick trunk, about four inches thick. And it's about the size of one of those exercise balls now. Right. I just wanted a neat little bush. Right. Well, okay, so just to be clear, you did get a neat little bush. The problem is, is if a plant is happy, they, it's not like they, they just stop growing, right? Even if they are a dwarf kind of a plant, they still grow. So oh. just to be clear, so a mugo pine, of course, is a pine with needles, like sharp little needles, versus a globe cedar, which is a cedar with very soft green. Well, I know what a cedar is, yeah. So what is, which do you have, a pine or a cedar? No, it's a cedar. Oh, it is, okay. But so, they told me it was a, a mugo pine when I bought it. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, but there's usually plants are ta- have a tag on them as well. But either way, both of these plants are controllable in the sense that you are the boss. They do not have to just keep on growing and take over your entire yard. A cedar can be sheared with... Um, sometimes people will use actual electric head shears, but you don't need that. You just need a long... like. I call them, um, they are shears, really. So it's like the Edward Scissorhand kind of um, yeah. uh, trimmers. So it's a long blade. I and, have those. Yeah. So you, what you would do, uh, I wouldn't do it now because it's all kind of, well, though you could. Now, anytime in the next six weeks, uh, you can go out there and shear that cedar back. If when you got it, it was the size, like you said, of a beach ball. Now it's an exercise ball, so it's grown about four inches or so. Don't hesitate to take three inches off the entire plant. But, you know, make sure it's round at the end. Uh, I wouldn't go right back. Like Make sure there's still green on it. Don't go right back to, to uh, naked wood. So maybe take two inches off. Either way, you can shear it. You can put it back to being a smaller plant. It will grow again this growing season. But again, next year, you'll shear it again. So you can maintain it at that size you want it as long as you every single year stay on top of shearing it back. But it's not uh, growing uh, in the shape of a ball. Oh. It's like this... It's like growing on a, a thick trunk and creeping into the lawn. Okay. Is it an upright plant? Like, what shape is it? Okay, it's got a trunk. I got that. Yeah, it's more a lying down cedar than an upright. Okay, I'm confused. I've never seen a lying down cedar. Uh, is there any possibility you could send me a photo of this plant? I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, I wish I could help, <clears throat> but either way, whatever it is, chances are you can shear it. So, okay, it's not a globe cedar. If it's a cedar still, you can take it back by those multi-inches that I mentioned to get it back to a size that you want. Uh, and now is the time to do it now, anytime now in the next six weeks. Okay? Okay, I'll try that. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks for calling. I'm confused. 
I've never seen a creeping cedar, but whatever. I guess the, the important message there is that uh, you're the boss, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. You are the boss. You, the, the plants are not the boss. You, you are in control and should not be afraid to take the control. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's go to... Oh, we have a first-time caller. Yeah, we're going to Buffalo, New York, our neighbors to the south. And we, we've got Annie on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Annie. Oh, thank you so much. And welcome to your I would, dog. I, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to give you your garden wings, okay? There you go. Okay, welcome. <laughs> okay, so Charlie, I sent you an email uh, as well with some pictures of my lilac in the backyard. Yes, I see. And, yeah. Right, so you um, have a big old lilac. Like really right, big. I think it's, it's about as old as the dirt around it. Yeah. Um, when a plant gets this big and this old, and it's got a lot of dead wood on it, it's not very vigorous, that's for sure. Uh, and it looks to be about 15 feet tall and about 10 or 12 feet wide. It's a, it's a fair-sized plant. Uh, in a perfect world, and if the plant is vigorous enough, it would survive what I'm going to recommend. And what I would recommend is that uh, now, anytime today, and even though it, we, it hasn't bloomed yet, I would get out my saw and I would uh, mm-hmm. very cleanly and carefully remove, particularly the, the photo you sent me where we're looking at the lilac that's in front of the shed and there's a, a broom on the left side. There's a branch on the right side that's big and old and looks mostly dead. I would in, remove that entire branch right down at ground level. Okay. Ultimately, over the next few years, all the old branches are going to come out. You just can't do it all in one year. It'll be too shocking for the plant. Uh, okay. But, you know, you could take out two of them, two or three, because you've got about six or seven there. So over the next three years, ultimately, the old wood will be removed, the old branches. And meanwhile, new shoots will come up from the base. So suddenly, you're going to be back to having a lilac that's only three or four or five feet tall instead of 15 feet tall. So it's getting <laughs> rid of the old at ground level cleanly with you know nice sharp saw okay and um do i add any fertilizer around it new soil around it definitely i can see you've got lawn again growing right up to it i'd get the lawn out of there maybe make a little bit of a garden below if you like uh get the lawn out get some good quality triple mix or a composted manure your own homemade compost get some that soil supplemented because it's old and tired soil and remember when we have a lawn right up against a, a plant like a tree or a shrub, the lawn tends to be, because we fertilize our lawns, they tend to dominate. And they'll take the water and they'll take the nutrients and the plants with the deeper roots don't get the water or the nutrients. So that's one of the reasons we like to get that lawn out of there and let our, our chosen plant, in this case a lilac, like give it some TLC, give it some proper care. And what kind of fertilizer should I use? A fl- well, similar to our first caller, uh, Teresa was calling about magnolias. It's a flowering plant fertilizer you're looking for. You're not looking for a lilac fertilizer per se. It's just strictly um, a. It could be a shrub fertilizer, which would tend to have a high nitrogen, which is the first number of the three numbers. But a flowering plant fertilizer will crank a little more phosphorus into the soil and into the plant for flowers in the future. Oh, thank you so much. It's so important to me that I keep this alive, and I I really, really appreciate it. I love your show. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. Uh, Charlie, I have a question about those. We've had a couple of questions about these very old uh, flowering trees. Mm -hmm. Do they have 
do they have a life cycle or can they sort of perpetually go on? Or no, what, what's true. one to expect? You're absolutely right. No, all species of all plants have a, a sort of a common lifespan. So as an example, if you planted a birch into your front lawn because you love birch trees, that tree assuming it's healthy and and looking great, still has a lifespan of maybe 20, 30, 40 years max. Whereas you plant a sugar maple into your front yard because you love sugar maples, that plant, assuming it's healthy and well looked after, it has a lifespan of like 150 years. So, you know, it really, really really depends. Um, Some plants are just have a longer lifespan than others. Lilacs, even though the, the mother plant dies, often lilacs will just live on and on and on through suckers that come up from the roots. And that's why okay. you go around the old farm, the, the rural parts of anywhere in North America where yeah. uh, there were farms, and you'll just see like where I live in, in Prince Edward County, uh, miles and miles of lilacs that have just sprouted off of the original lilac that would have been planted by the farmer, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Gotcha. Yeah, we have some areas up here in uh, the Colony, Blue Mountains area, yeah. where along the waterline that have these huge, and they give a tremendous show when yeah. it's time. Yeah, exactly. And smell. Okay. Nice to be out on oh, your bicycle yeah. when they're flowering. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, let's go to uh, let's go to Newmarket. Yeah, we have Jean on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Good morning, Charlie. You are my inspiration. I started listening to you during COVID, and you got me excited about (laughs) plants. I was always cringing. Someone would give me a well-intentioned plant, and I would water it to death, and it died. Oh, thank you, Charlie. So you're doing way better. Good. (laughs) (laughs) My question is about my beautiful spider plant, which I want to brag. It is... um, you're calling them babies? Mm. Babies are coming off of the spider? Mm. Yeah. Can I leave? <laughs> this is a dumb question, but no. can I leave them on? I love yeah. the look of it as it's, uh, as they grow that way. For sure. Oh, oh, you can absolutely leave them on. I mean, it will get so thick and dense at some point, you're going to just have to get in under there, take out some of the old, like some of the leaves will die inside under that plant. So just keep it fresh, keep it well watered. I often will put my spider plant outside for the summer and it loves it. It just, you know, just gets twice the size as what it was before it went out. But you can also cut off any of those little baby spider plants and use them in your garden this this spring and summer. Uh, They're nice and planters, if you have, if you're planting any planters that are in sort of half sun, half shade, it's really easy. You just pop those little babies in, they'll put some roots, and all of a sudden you've got that nice variegated leaves uh, mixed in with some begonias, for example, or geraniums, whatever you like. Okay, I'm extremely um, protective. When you said put it outside, I go, oh no, um, <laughs> how am I going to make sure there aren't any bugs on it when I bring it in It's the fall, if I bring it out? Well, it- what you what I would do before I bring it in is I give it a very thorough shower. So I start with just some soap and water, uh, spritz some soap and water all over the plant, you know, into the center, up underneath, you know, just a real, you're not scrubbing with a brush or anything, but just that real wash with soap and then a wash with clean water. And this is all outside. So you've got your hose and you mm-hmm. can just, you know, splash water all over the place, clean it all off, let it drip dry and then bring it in the house and do that sort of late August, early September. What is the ratio and what kind of soap? If you can get real soap as opposed to detergent, the ratio is a 40 parts soap to, sorry, 40 parts water to one part soap. 
Oh, kind of like maple syrup, huh? Ah, <laughs> uh, kind of. Yeah, don't drink it though. Uh, but it is soap-based. So the difference is that detergent oh. will wash your plant, but it certainly will not annihilate any insects that might be on the oh. plant. Soap will actually both clean and kill. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate you. <laughs> Bye now. Thanks for calling. Fabulous. Thanks for that. I was thinking, uh, I haven't had a spider plant in years, and I thought, I want a spider plant. Oh, uh, next time um, I see you, I can share multi. How many do you want? <laughs> I, I want, You know what? I think they used to be really plentiful. I think my grandmother used to have them. Oh, I haven't yeah. had one, and I'll take one. Okay. You know? Well, you and and I feel one. like I need to put it in a macrame you know, plant holder, <laughs> hang it from the ceiling, because I haven't had one of those in decades there either. There you go. Right back to the 70s. Well, the f- spider plants are one of the easiest plants to keep as houseplants. Sun, shade, not pure shade, but you know they, they do well in so many of our interior uh, conditions. They also are real good air cleaners. They do a wonderful oh. job taking toxins out of the air. So whether it's, you know, uh, volatile organic compounds coming off of rugs, furniture, paint, dry cleaning, yep. all that sort of thing. Uh, spider plants just suck that stuff up. They do a great job. But I always, re- my son is so funny. He always wants plants, but his one rule is no spider plants because they give him bad. Huh. They give him bad dreams. He thinks there's real. real. He just he just envisions them as you know coming alive and eating as coming spiders. Yeah, That's funny. Spiders, yeah. And and you know Gene said something that resonated with me. I am also one of those people who is, I'm sometimes reluctant to put my plants outside for mm-hmm. the fear of uh, maybe a critter or a bug that might mm-hmm. get into them. However, I would imagine it's sort of like you know letting your kids out to play. I mean they they, <laughs> they might you know scratch the knee and they might get burrs on them and they might. But I think the probably the benefit of, of putting them outside outweighs the possible negatives. That, would that be correct? It is. You know why? Because um, inside our homes, we've got all this controlled atmosphere. We've got furnaces in the winter, air conditioners in the summer, you know, just all this stuff going on. Put them outside and they lo- most plants, most of our house plants are tropical plants. They love the humidity that we have in Ontario in the summer. Most of them will thrive in natural temperature conditions and l- nice high humidity. Um, and that, of course, is none of these plants go out until we're frost free which is still a few weeks away. But uh, at that point, we can quite happily take our indoor plants out for the summer. Well, I, for one, am looking to that. I'm mm. looking forward to that hot, sticky, humid weather. I love it. <laughs> I okay. Okay, we're going to take a, uh, a bit of a pause. Uh, we have to hear some important and appreciated messaging, and we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and that, that last intro reminded me of the, of the last week we've had, because we had rain, 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 thunderstorms, and then the clouds broke, and all of a sudden, we, now we have sunshine. I know, and we love it. We love it, <laughs> and the plants love it, yes. and my allium are coming up all over the place, I and bet. as you say, the dandelions are, and everybody's happy in the garden. It's good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to send me pictures of your allium. I will. The army of them that are coming up in the garden. You planted, you planted what about three hundred or something? It was yeah, a lot. something like that. Yeah, yeah. I went, I went a little bit overboard this year, but we'll see what happens. Oh, it'll be, fun. it'll be a showstopper. Your yard is going to be amazing. Be crazy. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, okay, we, it looks like we're going back to Buffalo, New York. We have Tom on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Tom. Well, good morning. Um, last fall, I planted a daisy plant. And the problem with it is that this spring, I forgot, there's a um, big clump of daffodils come up right in front of it. (laughs) 
so now I want to move the daffodils. Can I just dig them up and just put them in a different spot? You can, but but keep in mind that the daffodils are spring and the daisy is summer. So maybe the placement isn't that bad because now the daffodils are blooming. <coughs> Excuse me, but the daisy yeah, will come. But the but the uh, the foliage will be there for a long time, though. Right in front of the the daisy plant. Right for well six weeks or so. Yeah. Um. But you're right, you can move the bulbs. I would wait till they're finished blooming and then uh, dig them because you can see them where the foliage will be there yep. and move them, plant them in an appropriate spot. The foliage will die down quickly. Okay. That's all I needed to know. Oh, and one, other, one other thing. Um, uh, I have, a com- I have a, uh, probably about six common lilacs in my yard mm-hmm. that are over 100 years old. Wow. And have <laughs> you cared? Long time. Have you cared for long them properly? Time, yeah. You've pruned them, et cetera, et cetera? I don't do anything to them. Oh, nice. But they bloom. They just keep, they just keep blooming year after year. But they must be really tall, too. Oh, yeah. And, and some of the, um, the trunks are like, uh, they look like cork. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, that's um, old they're, bark. They're so old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Probably smells great in your yard. Oh, it does. Yes. <laughs> thanks All right. Thank you, calling. Much. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, Charlie, before uh, we, Gail and I moved up to Collingwood, we, of course, we grew up in the Hamilton area, and the house that we owned was very close to the RBG, and, of course, the lilac gardens there are quite the show. Well, exactly. RBG was famous for their lilac dell. They had the biggest lilac collection, I think, in the world. Uh, in I think you're originally. right. I'm not sure if they still have that... Um, status anymore but uh, still there's hundreds of lilacs at rbg they all bloom at different times though there's kind of a peak time and you can check on their website it'll tell you what's blooming when and they're all named so it's kind of cool you can go and fall in love with a, a color of a lilac or the look of a plant and find out the name and then get that plant for your garden Okay. Uh, Charlie, you know, uh, we're going to go to break a little bit earlier. We'll come back. Okay, we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show, and we have callers on the line. Charlie, let's waste no time. Let's go to Guelph. Uh, We have Thelma calling in. Welcome to the Garden Show, Thelma. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have a query. Mm-hmm. I have an anthurium. Mm-hmm. Beautiful plant. Mm-hmm. And they, it's the longest one I've ever had bloom. Yeah. And I've had it two years. Okay. I put it outside all summer in the shade um, on my deck and bring it in the winter. Right. This winter, though, um, for some unknown reason, all the leaves are turning yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not got any more flowers, but it's shooting new leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, I only water it once a week, and I give it four ounces of water. Oh, how big is the pot? Oh, I'd say um, close to ten inches. Okay, that's not very much water. Uh, okay, 
Anthurium likes to be kept quite moist, not wet, but they do like consistent moisture. I have a feeling you might be underwatering that plant. You know what I would do is get a hold of a moisture meter, because mm-hmm. that's the little probe with a gauge on top, right. and, and that will indicate to you, like, if you feel the surface of the soil and it feels dry to your fingers, and then you stick that little probe <clears throat> down into the soil, it will tell you the moisture level down, obviously, you know, four or five, six inches into the soil. And with when, an anthurium, you do want to keep it moist. Well, when I purchased it, the comment was um, to give it six ice cubes every Friday. Oh, yeah. And let the ice cubes melt. Right. That's all it needs. Okay. Okay. Well, but I, that was I two years ago. So it's a bigger plant now. So its water needs, sh- particularly when it was outside last summer, it probably grew quite a bit. Uh, so it's a bigger plant. I, I'm just suggesting it, that might be what's going on. The mm-hmm. other thing is the yellow leaves um, often can indicate a lack of nutrient. So have you fertilized at all? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, um, 15, 30, 15, I give it. Uh-huh. And how often? Oh, only once every three months or so. Okay. So um, the rule of thumb with fertilizing plants, indoor plants particularly, is we fertilize them when they're actively growing or actively flowering. So the interesting thing about that is an African violet is always actively growing and flowering. True, So we fertilize those very regularly every month minimum. Um, (laughs) Then you get into like a Christmas cactus and it's actively growing growing and blooming at Christmas time. So again, that's when we're fertilizing. Uh, not now. And but right. most of our houseplants, it's now where they really take off. In the spring, the summer, they respond to the longer days, and we do get into consistent uh, fertilizing, preferably monthly, generally speaking, right from March through to September. Hmm. Okay. I'll try, because it is a beautiful plant. It is. It's. I a- actually have three different colors. Oh, my. Um... But this one, I've really babied since I got it because it came so beautiful. And it was red, I assume, the one. Yeah, it was red. I have a pink one, too. Nice. And then I have one almost like a pale white. Oh, interesting. And I would think those ones would be a little trickier to look after. The red is is the closest to the original anthurium, the the Uh wild type, as we say. But, yeah, they they grow actually as a vine. Like, you you need to, at some point, get some stakes and put them into the pot, and the plant will go up uh, um, onto, it will grow up. Okay, like a trellis sort of idea. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, Okay, thank you for your help. I'm going to watch this thing. Uh, yeah. I've had her for so long, I don't want to lose it. No, exactly. Yeah, And, and you know, it's normal for older leaves, lower leaves, to turn yellow and drop off. New growth <laughs> should always be coming up at the top. Does it go to bed for the winter? Uh, it slows down, just like all of our houseplants slow down. Shorter days. Shorter days, you don't see as much growth, but you should certainly be seeing a burst. Like you said, you're seeing new growth. That's good uh, at uh-huh. this time of year. So support that new growth with, with uh, effective watering and proper fertilization. Right. Cause All the best with that, Thelma. Yeah, good luck with your plant. I just got a couple other callers on the line I have to get to, but uh, good luck with your plant. Uh, let's go right now to Anita in Mount Forest. And Anita's a first-time caller, aren't Ooh, you there, Anita? Sweet. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so I'm going to give you your garden wings. There you go. Okay. What do you got for your first-time question for Charlie? Uh, Good morning. So thank you for taking my call. Um, I have an indoor garden question. Mm -hmm. I have a philodendron moonlight and a defumbachia camouflage, both of which have pushed out 
new leaves in the late winter, mm-hmm. early spring, mm-hmm. but the leaves haven't unfurled. Mm-hmm. They're still all curled up. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. I want to help them, but I, <laughs> I could just see you're probably sitting there studying it, going, "Okay, I can start the unfurling of those leaves. I'll peel them open." So listen. Well, it was funny because I tried to. One of them was sort of seemingly stuck in its sheath, and I pulled it out, and then it didn't unfurl, and I thought it was my fault, and so on. But then the others I didn't touch, and they still did the same thing. So as long, but they're green, right? You're not seeing brown tips or anything on these new this new growth. No, they're green. Yep. Uh, it, you know what? It's the plant doing its thing at its own its own pace. It, it, do you have them in, in sort of indirect light or in direct light? What kind of light are they in? Um, so I have the the Diefenbachia more direct light, and I think it might have been too much for it. Mm-hmm. I've now moved it to a partially shaded area. And then the other is an indirect light. Okay. Yeah, so either of those plants, can they can sort of handle either. If you go into direct light when it's been in indirect light, you will sometimes get some burning on the leaves. So that's mm-hmm. uh, an issue. Uh, have you fertilized at all? I do fertilize. I use a fish emulsion mm-hmm. uh, quite regularly. Okay. Quite diluted. So I don't know if that maybe that it's not enough. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, hard to say when you're when you're doing it regularly and quite diluted. Um, do at this time of year because I mean the plants are obviously ready to go. They've got all kinds of energy. They're producing new growth, but it's just very very slow. So I would be inclined to, yeah, you're right. You, there's two ways to use fertilizer. One is like use it every week at half strength, or mm-hmm mix as per package directions and then use every three weeks or four weeks, whatever is recommended on the package. So yeah, it's up to you which way you want to go with that. But I, uh, the best thing I can counsel right now is patience. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the call there, Anita. <laughs> patience. Thanks so much. I know. There you Sorry. go. Thank you. Uh, uh, Charlie requires patience. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables at hand here, right? So you know it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay, we have uh, one last caller on the line who's another first-time caller, and uh, we're talking to Anne-Marie in Scarborough. Welcome to the Garden Show, Anne-Marie. Hi, Dean. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Hi. Morning. Good. There are... Oh, just say... Oh, yeah. There are your garden wings there for you. <laughs> morning. Good morning. I have a question about pruning. I have two trees that flower in the springtime, mm-hmm. but they really need pruning. Mm-hmm. And I remember you a few weeks ago saying that the best time to prune them is after they flower. Is that right? Uh, depending on exactly what trees they are, but generally, yes. Okay. <laughs> are they like apple trees or cherry trees or something like that? Or No, no, um, nothing like that. Just regular flowering trees. Regular flowering trees. Uh, okay, so because things like crab apples and apples, any of the fruit trees, we try and prune those before they flower, back in the winter when there's no leaves. Okay. Uh, other flowering trees at this time of year could be magnolias, lilacs, whatever. Yes, do your pruning after they flower, right after they flower. And then, okay. and then no more pruning in order to maximize next year's flowers. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, thanks, thanks for so calling. Much, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie. 
Yeah, thank you. Sounds like Anne Marie should get herself uh, with a few others to one of those two meetings that we were talking about yeah, earlier. It's exactly. all about pruning this week. Yeah, and it's for a good reason, right? Like we said, it's just pruning ha- is an art unto itself, and every species is a bit different. So the more you know, the better. And there's some great books out there too on pruning, and not to mention, you know, YouTube videos, etc. So listen, while we still yeah. have half a minute yeah. here, I just yeah. want to rem- uh, let people know there will be another upcoming event this week, Tuesday, May 9th, the Pickering Garden Club is meeting at the Chestnut Hill Recreation Centre, which is at 1867 Valley Farm Road. Everyone is welcome to attend at 7 p.m. Jeff Mason will be there, and he's talking about new cool plants. And, oh, uh, cool. Uh, yeah, exactly. And Jeff is a grower. He's a he's a second-generation grower, or maybe even third by now. Uh, and so he knows. He knows cool plants, and he knows new ones. So he, he'll be great to, to listen to at that event. Sweet. I had. I wanted you to know. I had a Charlie Brown moment this week. I walked into a store, and right by the front entrance, you know, two bucks a hit. I bought. <laughs> is it ornithogalum? Uh huh. Little balls. Ornithogalum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got some orange ones though, but they, they oh, were I all kind those. of like dying. But yeah, I thought, yeah. you know what? They're a perennial. I know. And I'm going to put them in. I think you know what? I'm going to take the chance. I bought three of them. Mm. Put my six bucks on the table, and I'm convinced <laughs> that I'm going to still get flowers next year. Oh, yeah. Just let them do like like any bulb, right? Keep them in the sun. Don't overwater them. Let them slowly die down. Uh, once they're completely dormant, then you can uh, dig them outside into the garden for next year. Sweet. Thanks, Dean. Have a Thank great you. week in your garden. Thanks to the callers. Thanks, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without you. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.